0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode number 14 of Off The Block Swimming Podcast. Thank you all for tuning in today, wherever you're listening in from. I'm your host, Robbie Cox. Today we speak to another NZ superstar, but this time we only need to head up to the Gold Coast where he lives. He's a two-time Olympian and one of New Zealand's best ever, Mr. Matt Stanley. Before we get to our awesome chat, I just want to give a free plug to Matt's business, Cuzzy Pies, which him and his brother run. They sell super premium NZ-style pies up on the Gold Coast, so make sure you go visit them at any of the Gold Coast farmers markets on the weekend. Also, head to their website at CuzzyPies.com for more information on their delicious pies and where you can go to get them. On to the interview now, so set aside 60 minutes from your day, sit back, relax, because Ep 14 with Matt Stanley starts now. Your mind. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two 100s in the 2nd in it? Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. is
1: starting to go away from him. Oh, he's throwing him away now. Thorpe's stone more than a meter on Van and
0: Hoen's hand. But the signature of all eyes is the Great battle Butterfly the Joining me today on the show is one of New Zealand swimming's biggest stars. He is a two-time Olympian from both London and Rio. He is a New Zealand record holder for the 400 and 200 and is one of the current crop of Kiwi superstars putting swimming in New Zealand back on the map. It is a big welcome to Off The Block Swimming Podcast to Mr. Matthew Stanley. Matt, how you going, mate? I'm doing well, thanks.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Really looking forward to getting stuck in.
0: Not a trouble at all, mate. Now, listen, where have we caught you today? Whereabouts are you?
1: Um, I'm currently in the Gold Coast. Um, I've been living here for about six years now.
0: Just living the dream on the Gold Coast. I joked with the former Australian head coach, Jaco Verharan, the other day, because he he lives up there as well, that, you know, you guys, even though everyone has gone through COVID and lockdowns, I get that, but, you know, having having those beaches, having that warmer weather, you guys uh, had a pretty good gig up there.
1: Yeah, to be honest, we really haven't had it that tough. You know, like... um, you know, if you if you were to never watch the news or like ever look through your phone, you wouldn't even really know that anything's changed up here. So that's a great positive, and I think we're very fortunate for that to be the case.
0: You're a man who loves his surfing. I know. Have you? What have you been up to during the lockdown? Have you been able to get out?
1: Yeah, I've been trying to surf as much as possible. We've been like another thing with over the last kind mean, of three or four months. The waves have just been incredible. So we've been. Like really really lucky in that sense as well Um, I've got some really good surf over at Stradbroke Island, um, a few good waves at Snapper over the last couple of months even though it's just incredibly crowded there too Um, and a little bit at D-Bar so yeah I've been really lucky probably got the best barrel of my life about a month ago at Straddy, I'm 6 foot 6 and I could stand up in it so I was pretty stuck, I think I was buzzing for about
0: a week after that one Hey, that sounds uh, awful for me because I have no coordination skills whatsoever (laughs) and I just get barreled if I ever go out that far. But I I know, talk to me about your pie business, I know you've been busy with that as well.
1: Yeah, so about 18 months ago, me and my brother started up a pie business called Cousy Pies here on the Gold Coast. Um, Pretty much it started up out of... um, just the fact that we couldn't find good pies here in Australia, and you know the pie culture in New Zealand is really strong, and and even as over here too, you know, everyone Aussies always talk about how good their pies are, and when we came here, it was like, oh man, that's just disgusting. We could, I couldn't even eat them, you know. And I'm back home, I probably eat a couple of pies every week. So um, my brother actually kind of came up with the idea, it's like, you know, let's have a crack at it and then. Um, he was living in Sydney at the time and he kind of like started to put together a few recipes and you know we're on the phone pretty much every day you know talking about this idea and how we could you know work towards getting something that um, you know that I might be able to do when I finish swimming and we could work together on and we kind of decided that Nick my brother would move up to the Gold Coast and we'd start a business up here and so that was yeah, that was probably about eighteen months now. And we since then, you know, we've been, you know, growing really steadily and getting boost the sales are going really well at the moment. So it's quite an opportunity, like exciting opportunity for us moving forward.
0: And COVID's given you a chance to get more stuck into that personally, mate, away from swimming and training and all that sort of stuff?
1: Yeah, it really has. You know, it's um for kind of the past, I guess, fifteen months or so I've been trying to swim full time and do the business full time, which was just, its probably one of the most challenging things I've had to go through in my life, just because I've just had so much on my plate and I was probably spreading myself a little bit thin at times, but it was a great opportunity for me to really work on time management skills. And um, it was just a, a bit of a balancing act, but I think that I learned a lot along the way. and. Um, just tried to just tried to really make those both both those aspects of my life kind of coherent and work work well together.
0: Now the other thing you've been working on during uh, lockdown is that uh, gorgeous luscious beard of yours. <laughs> how <laughs> have, you, how have you been managing that? that? It's,
1: it's pretty disgusting to be honest. Uh, hopefully, I might get around to shaving it in in the next couple of days. But yeah, I don't know. I, I get a lot of grief for it to be honest. Um, don't worry about them yeah he's gonna he's gonna give me grief for it for sure
0: don't worry about it, mate i'm a fan of it i think it's um it's it's very good and i think it should be here to stay now uh, i know you live and train on the gold coast at southport talk to me about how that came about i know you know you didn't start at southport so what brought you over here
1: well i was um after I, I grew up in a small town called Maramara and then when I finished school I moved up to Auckland and trained with a coach called Scott Tolbert who's currently coaching in Melbourne um, and he kind of suggested that I start doing some training camps with Dennis on the Gold Coast and so the first time I came over here to train was in 2011 and I came over and I was training with um, like the guys like Dan Smith, Tommy Fraser-Holmes, Jordan Harrison, Matt Levings. And it was just such a big eye-opener for me. The way that they were training was, it was leaps and bounds in front of, ahead of what I was doing in New Zealand. And those were like some of, that was kind of the period after I went and trained with Dennis for the first time that I'd made my biggest improvements because it really showed me what was capable and tr- like what I could be capable of in training so I came over here and I just pretty much got flogged by the boys for three weeks went home and I was like all right I don't really <laughs> like being flogged in training so I'm going to try and be better and I learned so much in those three weeks and that's kind of and and in the three months after that was when I qualified for my first Olympics and made I, I think I did like a two second pv over the 203 and maybe like a four or five second PB in the 400 free. So it was always kind of in the back of my mind that um, it could be a good place for me to train longer term on the Gold Coast. And then when I got the opportunity at the start of 2015 to move over here permanently, I just jumped at it because I knew that it was going to be something that was going to be awesome for my swimming.
0: Mate, growing up in New Zealand, did you, did you play any other sports growing up? Obviously, you know, we, we know rugby union is, is very prevalent over there. Cricket as well, given your height, maybe basketball. Did you get amongst any of the other sports?
1: Yeah, I did a heap of um, different things growing up. I played a lot of cricket. Um, I played a little bit of rugby until I was maybe like 13 or 14. Um, I played tennis, a little bit of volleyball. Pretty much any sport that I could get a bit of advantage out of being two meters tall, like I got stuck into. Um, but then, yeah, it kind of wasn't until I was maybe 17 that I focused more into swimming. I tore, I put a tear in my rotator cuff playing cricket, um, and then it was kind of like, oh, I, I was, I just made the Trans Tasman um, New Zealand junior team. And then I injured my shoulder, and it was kind of like, "All right, I probably need to just focus on the one thing now instead of, you know, trying to do everything mediocre." I'd rather, just have a crack at swimming and see how good I could get.
0: In terms of cricket, mate, what were you? Fast bowler.
1: Fast bowler, yeah, pretty wild. Um, <laughs> I could get it down reasonably quick, but yeah, accuracy wasn't really my strong so. <laughs>
0: Uh Mate. In terms of idols and, and heroes growing up, they don't necessarily have to be in the pool. Who did you look up to?
1: Um, I was a huge Kobe fan growing up. I used to love watching basketball and listening to him speak and like hearing some of his stories were really interesting. Um just like the way like the mumba mentality of just going after things a hundred percent, like working incredibly hard and like pouring your whole soul into towards a goal. Um, That really resonated with me when I was younger and he was definitely like a big influence growing up. I remember after school, I'd just always go home and just like watch every single um, Lakers game, just watch Kobe do his thing. And he he just had the mentality of just never giving up and he was just always so hard to beat. And I think that was like, he's probably one of my biggest idols for sure.
0: Along those same lines, mate, did you get a chance to watch The Last Dance on Netflix? Michael Jordan, Chicago yeah. Bulls. I mean, it's supposed to be a Chicago Bulls documentary, but let's face it, it yeah. was the Michael Jordan documentary.
1: No, it was really cool. I um, like, I've read a, like a few books like that are kind of loosely based on on Michael Jordan. I read The Mindful Athlete, which has quite a bit to do with Jordan. Um, but, like, I didn't really know that much about him, you know, he was kind of just before my time, like, he won his last championship when I was only five, so, um, but, yeah, learning about the way that he he went about things and just how cutthroat and ruthless he was, that's pretty, pretty cool stuff, like, he's definitely... Like, gone up along my books. Yeah, you know, I was kind of always like in the younger guard saying, Yo, LeBron's the goat. Yeah. 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 But now I have to like really rethink my argument on like who the goat is. But hard to argue against Jordan after watching that documentary, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, mate. I, I think the thing that um, typified his competitive nature was when he was um, betting people about flicking the coins closest to the wall. And he just yeah. wouldn't give up until, it, like, he's like, he no, we'll go again until I win. We'll go again until I win. Like, he just kept going. And I thought, yeah. now there's a competitive man.
1: Yeah, well, he's probably, like, after watching that documentary, it's just, like, he would do anything to win. Mm. You know, winning was, you know, he wouldn't sacrifice, like, he would sacrifice everything in order to win. And I think that's, like that's what you need to do if you want to be incredibly good at sport. You know, there's one thing being, like, really, really good, um, and then it's, like, a whole nother level if you want to be, like, in that GOAT conversation. And that's something that um, a mindset that I really saw when I was training uh, in Arizona with Phelps leading into um, into Rio is that that guy would just do anything to win.
0: Mm. You
1: know, like, there would be no, there would be no stone unturned along the way and it's that mentality of just like really feeling like you're always having to prove yourself like every step of the way um, that those guys have
0: Mate, Absolutely. Um, I've already told the story a few times on the podcast. so I won't do it again. But when I had Bob Bowman on, he definitely told me a few um, funny stories about how competitive Michael is, even now, once he's finished swimming, and though he wanted to challenge him to a bake off because Bob dared say that uh, he could bake better than Michael could. So, That competitive nature is still definitely there, no doubt. Now, mate, talk to me about when swimming got a little bit more competitive for you. You touched on there that, you know, it was around that 16, 17 year age bracket. What sort of drew you towards saying, okay, I want to give swimming a real crack here?
1: Yeah, it probably was when I was about, I was probably about 16 when I kind of started to get my first little taste of success. Um, And I think that was like a big factor for me, it was like, yeah, you know, like you could be quite good at this if you put your mind to it and like start putting some things in place to help you improve and like keep those improvements rolling. So I think that was probably where it started was just having that taste of success and seeing where what my opportunities could be in swimming. Um, and I also had like, really great support from my club and Matamata, even though it was a, like a really small club. We probably only had maybe 20, 30, 40 maybe in summer um, swimmers, but, yeah, you know, we had a good, a really good like, club culture. I had a great coach, um, Graham Lane, when I was growing up and he, like, he set some really, really good foundations for me to, like, improve my swimming as I got older. So I definitely need to, like, say a huge thanks to him because he was kind of the one guy that when I started to see a bit of success, he kind of sat me down and he was like, look, like, you could actually be really good at this if you wanted to, um, like, if you do these things. And he kind of, like, hung that carrot in front of my nose for me to chase and always, like, was pushing for me to be better and, Um, kind of like opened my eyes to what my possibilities in swimming could be because when you come from a town of 10,000 people you're not I wasn't really thinking about you know going to the Olympics or anything like that you know it's not really like on your radar you know you just like I just kind of rocked up swimming and like did my laps and I enjoyed it and But I was just kind of being a kid until I got to that stage where Graham sat me down. I actually remember the conversation quite well. And he said to me, you know, look, you've got all the ingredients to be a really good swimmer. You know, maybe we should do this, this and this and try and get there. And I was like, yeah, I just bought in and, and it kind of went from there.
0: Absolutely it did mate. you've had a very long career um, but as as a youngster, did you struggle with anything in terms of nerves, nutrition, you know keeping up with your sessions, your prehab type stuff like what were some of the things that you had to kind of get right before you made that you know obviously you've made the Olympics, but you don't make the Olympics unless you've got a lot of those things in order?
1: Um, yeah, I think like there's there's a whole lot of things like that I could kind of see along the way that were like really like influential for me I think like I probably physically I think that like I'm reasonably good for swimming you know I was really tall and really flexible had good range and all that stuff Um, but I was also like super skinny and lanky so like I always had to like be thinking about you know eating enough working in the gym has like was always kind of like early days in my career when I was a bit younger, like 18, 17, 18, 19, 20, like strength was always, because I was still kind of growing into my frame, was always something that I needed to work really hard on. So I guess it's, it was kind of those things that like I was just learning, um, you know, what my body needed and what I needed from it to, work, to improve. And like I, was, I guess, like I said before, I was always lucky that I had people there and, um, like I was always reasonably willing to listen when I was younger as well to, to work on these types of things to get better.
0: Mate, 2011 World Champs in Shanghai, am I, am I right in saying that was your first sort of major international meet?
1: Yeah, that was. I was, yeah, 19 years old. I think I, I made the team on like a B qualifying standard, which New Zealand hadn't done in a while. So all I had to... All I had to do was win the time freestyle at our nationals, and I, would, I made the team.
0: What lessons did you learn from that meet? Obviously, it's your first, you know, big show, and and so many, uh, you know, international athletes, and and the warm up pool, and all that. So everything's different from a from a, a New Zealand nationals, or for our perspective, an Australian nationals. What lessons did you learn from your first sort of big international racing meet?
1: Yeah, it, it was so eye opening. Going like. We did, like, the whole staging camp beforehand, which I'd never done. Um, you know, usually, like, if you go away on junior teams, you just rock up and you race, like, two or three days later. Whereas when you're in a senior team, you you go to a country nearby, you train for two and a half weeks, and then you go into, like, the, the hotel, like, environment or, the, um, or, like, the team environment, and then you race. And then – so it's – I think, like, it was just, like, an eye-opening experience for me to to be a part of, like, the more professional realms of the sport. And I was still, like, really young. I was only 19, and I'd only really left school a year, like, a year or so before then. And I actually remember being in warm-up, and I was kind of just, like, traveling along. Like, usually anyone that's trained with me knows that, like, in warm-up, I'm so slow. Just, like, <laughs> take forever to get into things, and warm into it and I kind of jumped in and and I was kind of just doing my old cruising, I probably would have been going like maybe like 118 pace or something warming up, probably had fins on as well <laughs> and this girl just like zoomed past me and she was wearing a band on, she was wearing a band no paddles and I was just like what the hell is going on here <laughs> and so I pulled up at the end of the thing and it was Frederica Pellegrini and I was just like Oh my God! Who's this beautiful woman? Like <laughs> it was yeah, I think that was that was like the first time I got in the water at a major international competition, and I was just like wow i i I probably have to do a few things to get like a bit better and like probably be a bit more professional about the way I go about things. Um, and then my first race was a turn of freestyle, and the Shanghai. I think the even to this day, the Shanghai Stadium was the biggest, um, the biggest stadium. I think it was like a twenty-five thousand seat stadium. I think it's, I think it's the biggest one that I've ever done. So, mm. and I was so young, and the stadium was pretty full because I think Sun Yang had his first race or something, and he was kind of like this. He was real hyped up there as a guy who could win. I think he might have just broken the world record. At, um, at maybe like the chinese nationals like a few months beforehand so yeah the crowd was pretty full and it was like a lot of buzz around it so it was just really exciting like walking out onto deck, big stadium people everywhere i was like wow this is this is pretty cool
0: well mate you obviously you know took those lessons went back to training worked harder and because you know the next year you go to the 2012 london olympics Without a doubt, you know, it's the biggest event on any athlete's calendar and you're at, what, 1920 at this stage. So that must have been a massive buzz for, for a young fella.
1: Yeah, it was – going to the First Olympics, there's like nothing really compares to it. I think um, being a part of the New Zealand Olympic team is really special as well. Like, it's, it's such a – they create such an important cultural experience for their athletes – that it's something that you really never forget. Are you, the swimming team, kind of like they go away and you go away on your like staging camp and then when you come into the village, you're greeted by the rest of the whole of the New Zealand team comes out to greet you and they do like a 60-man haka as like you're walking into the village. Oh, and it's awesome. just like goosebumps. And then when they finish doing their haka, you, like, strip your shirt off, get down into the pose, and you give them, like, a full hucker back, and then they probably might even come back with the third hucker. So it's just, like, hucker central in the middle of the village. Um, but I think it's, it's all things like that that, you know, that stay with you, like, for your whole life. And I think that's, like, one of the great things about being New Zealander is that we do have that real special cultural significance that add like that we have added to our sport which which is great
0: I can just imagine those european countries that don't speak english very well or whatever just <laughs> looking at you guys going hang hey, on what's going on out there yeah i it's kind of like
1: i, I would say the like the countries that are like really close to new zealand would probably get a little bit pissed off by like how many hackers are going down you know like the New Zealand team will throw down a hucker at like 3am in the morning if it's necessary, you know, like, we don't really care, but it's great for us, but yeah, it'd be extremely foreign to like, to some countries who, or people who haven't seen it
0: before. What, what do you listen to before um, you race? Um,
1: I don't mind a bit of hype up, like, some like quite heavy hip hop. I'm like, I'll definitely get, a, get around a bit of that. It kind of depends, like... I'll try and fit my playlist into my, like, mood at the time. Like, if I am feeling, like, a little bit nervy or, like, a little bit anxious, I'll, like, chill it out a little bit. Like, might listen to, like, a little bit of vibey electronic music, Mm. like, jazzy electronic music. Um, But if I feel like I really need to get hyped up for a race, like, I'll go towards, like, maybe, like, some Denzel Curry at the moment. Like, he's, like, pretty hard-hitting. Like, and then you've got like a bit of old school stuff, like maybe a bit of Mob Depp or um, like Wu-Tang Clan or I don't know, like any of the guys that like are talking about murdering
0: people and like <laughs> any of that stuff to get your puns up for a race. Absolutely. Now, uh, talk to me about a pre-race feed. What do, you, what do you like to have before your big race?
1: In the mornings, I'm, I'm not a very big eater. Before, about the
0: night before. What about the night before?
1: The, the night before, um, I I enjoy like a. I try and go for like some complex carbohydrates. Like the idea would be some. Like if I got to eat it, like choose myself what I was eating, it'd be like a sweet potato salad along those lines, with maybe like a little bit of like chicken or um, something like that. Bit of like bit of greens in with it um try and keep it like as healthy and as clean as possible like just getting like enough like enough energy through the system without like overloading your body and your digestive system and that too much and then coffee is like a big must for me like i'm seriously addicted to coffee i drink like at least three or four cups a day still so another
0: business venture there for you mate
1: possibly possibly
0: Mate, I'm definitely with you with a coffee. Anyone that listens to the podcast knows anytime people say to me, um, I always say, you know, how are you going? They say, how are you going back? And I always start with like, yeah, pretty good. I've had two coffees and it's starting to kick in. I'm, I'm ready to rock and roll. Yeah. Um, mate, you've been around um, in terms of different venues, different countries with, with all the meats you've been to um, and, and keeping in terms of um, the feeds that we're just talking about and the foods. Have you ever had any bad experiences with, with food? anything that didn't agree with you that you probably in hindsight shouldn't have gone near
1: yeah trap like i've i think i've got quite a strong gut because like i'm, I'm i i do not think i've ever had gastro or anything like that before but i've definitely had some like pretty horrific meals while traveling um like i'm always kind of the first one to like go searching for a good meal in like whatever countries i'm going traveling to um and for the most part like i'll find something that's pretty nice but i think china is probably like the hardest place to find good food and like chances are like you're just going to get something that's just like super weird or super gross um they, i think like the weirdest thing that i've ever eaten overseas was in in tokyo i think we went to like um we went to like a really authentic little um japanese place and you're like, Walk down some stairs and you're like sitting on your knees and, and like, a, just sort of like with cushions and stuff. Like, it was really authentic. And not many people there spoke very good English. So, we kind of just said to them, It was just like, look, like, get us this, like a nice set menu, like with things that you think that we'd really enjoy. And they came out um, with the entrees and they were like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this is like salmon, this is tuna, this is. like all right sweet like whatever that means we got into it like and it was all raw so it was all like kind of sashimi style like it was a beef it was a salmon tuna and then we ate this last time it was like and the guy came back and he was like how was the he was like oh yeah it was pretty nice actually and it was raw horse meat
0: (laughs) and it was nice though that
1: was really good, yeah. Like, it was nice and tender, and, but I don't know if, I'd be, if, I prom, if I would have eaten that if I had, like, a clue about what this guy was talking about. <laughs> uh,
0: mate, it's a credit to you and the career you've had so far in the pool that I can actually go – I can't, sorry, actually go through all of the major meets one by one and, and everything you have done. Otherwise, we'll be bloody here all day. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw a year at you in a major meet. And then you sort of give me your best memory of that championship and what sort of springs to mind when I talk about it, good or bad, because I've done this sometimes and um, it has a negative effect. Some people say, oh, yeah, I don't like talking about that one. That's so, <laughs> a good one for <from> me. Yes. I'll <laughs> go uh, okay, 2013 Barcelona World Champs.
1: Barcelona. Yeah, that was actually a, a really, um, that was a cool one for me. We The New Zealand team went to Europe like, I think it was, like, at the start of June, we did, like, the full Mary Nostrum series, we did a three-week altitude camp, and then we went back into another training camp. So, like, I'd been in Europe for maybe, like, close to three months before we, two or three months before we even started the competition, so uh, it was, like, a dream come true for any 21-year-old would be spending, like, a full summer in Europe in Barcelona and in France and So I think, like, I was just really excited to, um, you know, to be able to do that. You know, it's such an amazing experience to be able to spend a full summer in Europe training and racing and um, going to Barcelona. I was probably, I I think that I was probably in the best shape of my life at the time as well. Like I was doing some really good swimming um, and I was really confident as well. And the first morning, I had the 403, free, which was kind of like my main event at the time. Um, I swam the heat, and I got to I think. Um, I think Dave McKean was in my heat, and maybe uh, an American, Connor Jager, and we. It was the three of us, and we were all kind of going pretty well. And I was like, we were all kind of pacing ourselves. We weren't we weren't pushing too hard until about two hundred and fifty meters. Um, but we were, the three of us, I think, quite well out of here, and we were kind of, like, at 250, we all kind of dropped the hammer, I think the two of us dropped Dave, and then at 350, I, like, fully missed my turn, had a terrible turn, pushed off, I didn't, like, I didn't, like, really hammer home the last 50, and I think the American guy just touched me out, I think we swam like, it was probably under 3.47, which, like, these days isn't even really that fast. But at the time, it was, like, a reasonable swim for me. I was, like, oh, yeah, no, like, that was all right. Didn't really swim a very good race. Like, I didn't push it too hard, but it should be enough to make it through to the final because I got second in my heat, which was a seated heat. And – but the American guy touched me out by, like, 0.04 or something. So I was a bit, like, I probably should have won that heat, but, like, and then the next two heats came and I was only one person beat us in the next heat, So I was sitting in third and then the next heat, six people beat me and I ended up ninth and missed out on the, missed out on the final. And I was just so spewing. Like I just, like it was such a, such a huge missed opportunity for me because I didn't swim a good race. I didn't like, I didn't really like push as hard as what I could have, especially in the last 50 and, And I was just like, I was so, I just remember being like the most gutted I've ever been after a swimming like after a race, just Mm. because like it was such a big missed opportunity. And then I think like to win a medal was like 340, I think it was like 344 or 345. I think at the time, like I was definitely capable of doing that. Um, And then so like to miss the final and then to, you know, to watch the final and be like, oh, like. Probably would have had like a decent crack at winning a medal, in there it was like pretty hard to swallow. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I ended up making the semi-final in the 200. Had a pretty good swim. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was it was definitely like a really cool time in my life to like look back on because you know, I was just like a young guy from like a small town in New Zealand, like living in Europe for three months, and then after the meet. Um, I went travelling with my cousin for five weeks around Europe. Like we went all wine tasting through Italy and went partying in Rimini and northern Italy, went to Germany. So like it was it was definitely a very cool time.
0: And I've asked this question to a few people before, but you know, given um that you were enjoying yourself over there, but you still had a job to do, is that hard to find the balance sometimes being a young fellow over there? I mean I've been to barcelona i love that place um and i certainly well i'm not an athlete but i certainly found my way to more than a few pubs <laughs> was it hard for you to stay you know switched on or did you know because you had the five weeks after okay well i've got a job to do now and then i'll go enjoy myself
1: yeah that's kind of always like the mindset that i've tried to take to, to things is like you know get your job done and then you can have as much fun as you want um there might have been a few slip ups along the way that like not too many but yeah, I think like it's it's such a hard one because being able to do what we do is some is like is very unique, you know. Like, not many people get to like go to all these amazing places, and you know, maybe a lot of people who swim, you know, will never get to go back to these places either. So, you know, you you have to. I think it's really important to like go out and experience the culture. Um, you know like be open-minded and like obviously don't take the piss and just like because you're not there on holiday you know like you you are there to do a job yeah i think it's it is about balancing the both because i think it's it's really sad to hear some people in swimming you know they have traveled all around the world but you know they've never eaten at an italian restaurant or they've like They've never been to this museum, or they've never been to this place. You know, all they've seen at the end of the day is like the inside of their um, hotel room and the pool, uh, which I think is is something that they'll look back on and be like, "Oh wow, like I really screwed up there. Mm. You know, like I should have gone out and, and tried to do more."
0: But what about 2014 Glasgow Com Games? I think you got seventh in the 200.
1: Yeah, I think I, I, was, I must have been in somewhere around there. That was, like, another one where um, I, I probably should have been a bit faster in that final, and I just, like, I think I, sw- I actually did swim faster in the heat, and I think I just, I didn't pace the race very well. I was kind of, I think I was in, like, an, I think I was in lane seven, so, like, I was in a, in a reasonable lane to see things, and I think Cam was on the inside of me, and he went out super fast, and I was like, oh, he's going to, like, he's going to probably die. But, you know, like, I think I just, like, cat and mouse that race a little bit too much. Whereas I should have just, like, got out after it and, like, seen what I, what I was capable of. But yeah, it was a, another, like, really cool experience. Like, Glasgow is an awesome place. And the crowd there was probably, like, as, um, like into it as any crowd that I've been to like the Scottish people were like chanting and like it wasn't it wasn't a massive stadium but the people there like really like packed a punch like they they cheered hard and like created a really cool environment.
0: Um, absolutely, Matt. I was talking to Hannah Miley the other day, who obviously was a, a hometown girl at that, um, at that meeting when she won. Yeah, She said it, everyone went nuts and crazy and she's never heard anything like it. Um, so I, I definitely understand where you're coming from. What about um, 2015 Kazan World Champs?
1: Yeah, it was another pretty um, that was I was thinking Kazan was an interesting place. You know, there, there wasn't there's not a lot there really. Like the, where we were anyway like we were kind of staying in. I think we were staying at, at a university maybe um and like the rooms like, weren't very nice the food wasn't very good um like kind of felt like you yeah, we were in like a bit of a communist country which you are mm. um and the, but the stadium was, was really cool. I think that's when I just moved to Australia. Um, that was my first like, major competition after moving to Australia. And I was, I'd had some I was stupid enough to tear my MC out two months out from competition, surfing. And I just remembered like Dennis was just like so angry at me. I came into training on Monday morning on crutches. And he was just like, What are you doing? Like, I was like, Oh, like the waves are good on the weekend, you know, like you've got to go surfing. Yeah. I think that, um, yeah, I was still kind of like figuring out the Gold Coast balance a little bit. Um, and obviously, like that, I didn't swim really that well at that meet because I, I had, I think I ended up having maybe like two or three weeks off training, like eight weeks out from competition, which isn't really like your perfect prep. I think I still swum okay in the 200. I think I might have, like, just slightly missed out on the semi final, But, yeah, definitely, like, you're, you're, like, running the gauntlet, being a surfer, and then, you know, that surfing that much close to competitions, like, you know, it's always a bit of a
0: risk. Mate, you bring up something interesting just then in that chat in terms of the facilities and the, the the food and things just weren't probably as up to scratch as maybe some of the other places were. But inevitably, that's going to happen, isn't it? Depending on if it's a Comm Games in Delhi and uh, where I know a lot of people got sicker at that, those Commonwealth Games. Um, how much of, for you guys, is your um, results around what you're able to sort of overcome and by that i mean everyone goes through the same thing everyone's sleeping pretty much in the same place everyone's eating the same thing so it's really those who are able to overcome those sort of obstacles that end up probably doing the better
1: yeah i think you've just got to stay really focused on the task at hand you know like and not let things that are out of your control phase you you know like you just when you're in situations where like yeah, the food's not that good, but you can't control it. You know, yeah, your match is a bit uncomfortable, but you can't control it, you can't change it, so you've just got to move on and deal with it. And um, I think that's kind of like how I tried to see it anyway, is like there's things that you can control, there's things that you can't control, and you're best to focus on the things you can control rather than the things you can't.
0: Absolutely, man. I think that's great advice for everyone at the moment, <laughs> given what we're going through with coronavirus, that's for yeah. sure.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah, the biggest thing that you control is like your own mindset around things as well. You know, like it's whatever happens, you know, the one thing that you've always got control over is how you think and like what you do. You know, so I think it's really important to take like that personal responsibility on yourself rather than like blaming, you know, oh, my bed was uncomfortable, can't train properly or oh, the food was bad, you know, I'm hungry, you know.
0: Absolutely, mate. Now, 2016, you're back in the Olympic arena in Rio. Are the nerves easier to handle now because you've you've been to an Olympics before? Or is it still a bloody big deal? So it doesn't matter how many times you've been there, it's still a big deal.
1: Yeah, well, um, I had a bit of... Rio was a real interesting one for me because I I think after those 2015 world championships where I was, I was coming off an injury and I was like not really that happy with the results. The next nine months, 10 months, 11 months of training were like by far the best training i would ever done in my life. I really like got into the swing of the things with Dennis and like I was, and then I went over and I did that same training with um, Bob Bowman and Falks in the U S and, Like, I was really hitting my straps and doing some incredible training. Um, And then it was two months out from, uh, yeah, I think it was two months out from the Olympics. I slipped going down the stairs and just, like, totally wrecked my ankle. Like, tore every ligament, like, broke a few little bones. Like, it was was real bad. Like, I couldn't walk for, like, five or six weeks. I couldn't do anything, so... I kind of, my focus went from trying to like do as well as I could in the Olympics to just like trying to like have my ankle be better than what it is now. You know, my focus like totally changed. And I actually, I did like a really good job rehabilitating it. And I got to the Olympics. My ankle was like in pretty good shape. And so like it almost took like most of the pressure off me. I felt like I was just like, okay, like you've already been through like this whole process of uh, this terrible injury at a terrible time. Like now it's just like go out there and enjoy yourself and like swim to the best of your ability. You know, all the hard work's done. Um, so I, I I didn't really feel any nerves at all, and and Rio and I I actually really enjoyed it more more so. Like not really like the results weren't what I would have been able to do had I not hurt my ankle but I think like I was probably also like the most proud of that result because of the resilience I had shown over the eight weeks and I could have like very easily just been like stuff it you know like I'm just going to stay home and like you know like cry myself to sleep for the next six months but I think like going through like all the rehabilitation and like I worked so incredibly hard, like, everything that I did for, like, those eight weeks were, like, pretty much perfect for, like, getting my recovery down pat. So, like, I think that I probably, that was the perfect preparation for me. I just had, like, this unfortunate event of breaking my ankle, falling, that, like, literally slipped down the stairs at five in the morning.
0: Mate, you must have felt like there was a bloody voodoo doll on you, given what had happened the year before with the surfing and then the slipping down the stairs.
1: Yeah, I was pr- I was pretty unlucky. Definitely a little bit unlucky. But I, I think, like, you've just got to – I kind of just ended up owning those things, you know. Like, there was nothing I could do about it. Like, I just tried to travel on the best I can. Definitely, like, like, at the time, it was, like, pretty it was just it was it was hard to it was a hard pill to swallow because I think like those were kind of like those were my best years um and I kind of missed out on you know seeing some swimming that you know I probably that I didn't get to reach but at the same time like that's that's part of sport you know like being injury resilient is like one of the biggest parts that will like see a person be either successful or not as successful So and obviously my flimsy ligaments, like, is not really that. um, Yeah, aren't really that good.
0: (laughs) But you got any good uh, athlete village stories? Any anything you saw going on? I mean, you're coming towards the end of your career now, so I'm sure you can give things away. You're not going to upset too many people.
1: Yeah, the village environments are pretty special. Yeah, like I, I think it's definitely something that. you know, that every young athlete, athlete should be, like, aspiring to, like, be a part of one of these villages one day because it is so much fun, you know, like, leading up to it. Um, you just walk around and you're just like, look at, look at that freak. Look at that freak. Look at that freak. Look at that freak. It's like, it's a circus. It's an absolute circus, yeah. Like, there's, I was probably, like, I'm two metres tall and I would just be, like, average height in there. there's so many like ginormous people and you see the like the gymnastics people are tiny and then you see like how muscled down some guys are and it's literally just 10,000 people just like totally at the pinnacle of what they do and it's so it is really inspiring being a part of that and then after the racing you just see a whole lot of people who have worked so hard for four years letting their hair down. It's it's pretty much like, it's the best party you can ever do. Um, everyone just wants to have a good time. Everyone's in the best of spirits enjoying themselves. And there's definitely like a lot of things that, that I probably can't like go into too much more. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I had like, I'm very lucky that like some of my like best mates I was on teams with between like the New Zealand team and the Australian team on the swimming side of things. So I got to enjoy a lot of those moments with um, some of my best mates.
0: Mate, I tell you, I can't imagine nights out after the Olympics are finished would go too long um, with all these guys having been off the booze for so long and being so strict on themselves. Wouldn't it just be one or two drinks and we're ready for bed? Yeah,
1: for the (laughs) most part, mate. For the most part. (laughs) Especially me, you know, (laughs) I don't
0: like be, yeah. <laughs> well, you can tell me the other stories when we uh, when we stop recording. Um, <laughs> but you've mentioned some of your biggest influences um, in terms of when you came over and trained at Miami with Grant and Tommy Fraser Holmes and, uh, and Dennis, uh, all good friends of yours. And Tommy's a great friend of the show. How impactful were those guys on you?
1: Oh, very. I, I think even when I met what I mentioned earlier when I moved over in 2011 uh, when I came over for my first training trip in 2011 just watching what guys like Tommy was the same age as me but he was like four or five years ahead of me like in swimming terms and so I'm just like sponged up as much information as I could get off those guys watched what they were doing, watched this stroke and um, and then also just like became really good mates with them um and so i think that like more than anything moving over here just like being as welcomed as what i was was like something was like really good like something that like i really appreciate more than anything you know like guys like tommy um dan grant especially like grant after um i was here for like three months I was like, oh, mate, like, I've got a spare room in my house. Like, why don't you come live with me? So was like, really? Like, you're Grand Hacker. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, so, yeah, they're just incredibly generous guys with their time, with their knowledge, and, yeah, definitely, like, a few of my best mates.
0: What about your coach now, uh, Glenn Baker? What what impacts he had on your swimming?
1: Yeah, Glenn's a ripping guy. He's a, and, and a really good coach. Yeah, I think um, one of... Glen's greatest strength is his his very understanding of people. He he kind of when I moved to um, to start training with him, like I was all like all guns like blazing for Commonwealth Games. which was only three months out. He helped me get there, and I did some really good swims. Um, we only just missed out in the middle in the relay, which was a bit of a shame. But um, after that was kind of almost a. The starting of the of a transitioning period in my life, so I was putting a lot more like time and energy into my business, and you know that took away from um, from some of the stuff I was doing in the pool. You know, I couldn't train like how I used to when I was when I was younger. So, and Glenn was just super understanding of that, and he worked with me to try and get me to the best that I could for this stage of my career. And yeah, that's just like. That's Glenn, you know, he, he thinks beyond what I think a lot of times he has to and, and looks at what's going on outside of the pool, you know, what's going on in this aspect of your life and how, I can, how he could best, um, you know, create a program for me to still be successful in the pool.
0: I'm reliably told he's a man who loves his tunes. Have you, been, have you ever listened to any of his favourite music?
1: Yeah, me and Glenn are like always chatting about like who's your favourite DJ, you know, what DJs did you see on the weekend, you know, oh I went and saw this guy and Glenn's like oh yeah we'll play home this morning and glenn be like oh I went and saw this guy last week and I was like mate the average age of that con- concert would have been like 20, you're, you're in your mid 40s.
0: <laughs> Yeah no no I've I've got a few coaching mates who yeah uh, enjoy their tunes as well and I know they've been out with Glenn a few times and enjoyed themselves so I, I know what sort of music he's into Now mate does it matter where you are or what squad you're in do, do you ever cop any stick for being a kiwi over here Um I definitely
1: um people have tried like did like non-stop people have tried but I think for the most part, like, I'm probably as quick-witted or more quick-witted than <laughs> him. I've got, like, I've got all the comebacks for it now.
0: Very nicely much. played. But
1: the guy who used to give me the most sticks, Matt Levins
0: 100%. And you had his, you had his number in terms of comebacks? <laughs> Usually, yeah. <laughs> Mate, what's it like living with a fellow New Zealand team member, Dan Hunter?
1: Oh, Dan's just, like, an all-round good, bloke. You know, really good bloke, easy to live with. He's he's getting a lot better on his cooking as well. Last month, two nights ago, he cooked us a, a salmon linguine for dinner.
0: Very nice, and it went down all right. Beautiful, great. What about, you've put him to work with with the business.
1: Yeah, we um, we do like a few different farmers markets on Sunday morning, so. Um, he, he probably works for us, like, maybe a couple of times a month. Um, the last time he worked, he was actually a bit hungover. So, you know, you, uh, we, we had to duck his, duck his pay maybe $50 for that morning, I think. You know, <laughs> got to be, come so to the job next time, mate.
0: Absolutely. That's, that's, that's fantastic. Um, mate, in terms of... Uh, you know obviously living with with dan does it help that you guys are uh, you know from new zealand in terms of do you ever get homesick is it nice to have someone around who reminds you of home
1: yeah i think um i've never really been like much of a guy to get homesick. you know i'm still like i'm on the phone like pretty much every week with my family with my mum and dad my sister you know my close friends back in new zealand um and it's so easy to stay connected nowadays you know like you've got things like zoom you know you can easily pick up the phone it's cheap it's no worries um but yeah it's definitely nice to have you know have someone that really understands the like the way that we do things in New Zealand It's a little bit different to the way Australians do things so it's nice to have I've lived with Kiwis the whole time that I've been here as well so you know, it's nice to have that little slice of home wherever you go
0: Mate, hey, talk to me about the current crop of, of Kiwi swimmers and, and how excited are you ab- about the future of New Zealand swimming? Now I've, I've already talked to, um, obviously Lewis Clairbert, Brad Ashby, um, spoke to Dan yesterday and I've got Erica Fairweather coming up and, 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 and many, many more, um, Zach Reed, how excited are you for, for where New Zealand swimming is heading? Cause to me, from an outsider looking in and talking to you guys, it looks like it's in a pretty positive direction.
1: Yeah, I think that, like, the young crop coming through, um, like, really special group of kids. You know, like, Michael Pickett, um, Lewis, Erica, Zach, they're, they're just great kids, you know, and I think that they, like, that's going to really translate into them being, like, going the distance, and I think, like, i back every one of those guys to, that they're going to do really good things in the pool. They're so humble, like, their head's in the right place. I think um, they're really, like, building their confidence as well. Because I think New Zealand's always had incredible swimmers. But I think, like, being so distant and, like, far away and, like, so small, like, I think a lot of Kiwi swimmers have always kind of lacked a little bit of confidence and, like, never really um, lived up to their potential. Um, The one outlier being Lauren Boyle, who I trained with at Miami. She was just such a star. You know, like, you take Ledecky away, who's, like, a a once-in-a-generation absolute freak, and she would be... I think she's got, like, four or five silvers at World Championships and stuff like that. So, you know, if Ledecky wasn't in the picture, you know, she would be, like, one of the all-time greats. So, And I think that she does get overshadowed a little bit just because of how great Ledecky was. But, yeah, I think... Um, Lauren really set like a, a really good standard for New Zealand swimming and was a great role model like, as when all these younger crew were coming up to be like oh yeah like, we can compete on the world stage you know like we can, we can compete with the Aussies you know, we, can, you know, we can beat the Aussies and I think that's what these young guys think you know that they're like oh we've seen Lauren do it you know, like, we can do it as well and Lewis really showed that this year well, last year, sorry, at World Championships when you know, he pretty much came out of nowhere to win a medal. You know, big PB. And I think he's only going to get better and better as well.
0: Absolutely. Now, mate, I, I like to finish some of our chats with some less serious questions. And I, I think these sort of questions give us a bit of insight into what you like away from the pool in terms of you know, what sort of music you like, what sort of movies you like, all this sort of stuff. So it's pretty rapid fire. I'll just throw it out there. And whatever first comes to your head, you throw it back at me. all right you ready to rumble yeah so we've already talked about favorite music so I'm not gonna go there what about favorite movie
1: favorite movie Um, I'm gonna say the Hannibal Lecter movies um, and those ones
0: you into that sort of uh, thriller horror scary movie types
1: yeah I love thriller movies like crime thrillers definitely like that's my go-to
0: what about your favorite meal
1: Favorite meal, um, probably pulled pork tacos. My favorite meal for me to make personally pulled pork tacos.
0: Very nice. What about biggest fear? Could it, be, it could be heights, could be spiders, could be anything.
1: <laughs> um, I don't I'm not really that much of a scaredy type of guy. I don't know if I'm really too scared of anything.
0: Oh, there you go. Look at you go. Well, I wouldn't be jumping out of a plane, I can assure you. And if I do see a spider, my wife is the one that gets it. It won't. It's not me. What about? mate, you've you've visited some beautiful countries. What are some of your favourites that you've visited?
1: I don't like bats. That's what I'm scared of. There you and go. And as like my fear's been um like pretty well justified with the coronavirus. Absolutely. Um, so <laughs> favourite places to go to, I think um. One of my favorite cities that I have ever been to is Istanbul. I think that's like a really incredible, beautiful city. Great food, like a really interesting culture. And like you've got all those like amazing mosques and like really cool architecture. That was definitely up there and like one of the coolest places I've been. Um, I think Rio is like a incredible, just like out of this world beautiful place like it's it's obviously got its problems um but just like as far as natural beauty goes like the city is just incredible and the people are so like energetic and they have like so much passion and that's so fun to be around i really enjoyed bit like the few weeks after the games there like just meeting locals and like a few of the experiences that i had there were just out of this world did some incredibly stupid things, but like also just like had so much fun.
0: Uh, favorite TV show to binge watch.
1: Oh, um, you can have a
0: few there. If you've got a few favorites,
1: I just finished watching shameless. Have you, have you seen that show before?
0: Yeah, I think it was an English show, but they, there's also the American version, obviously. Is that what you're into? The yeah, American? I watched the American
1: version. That was pretty, that was all right. Um, What's my favorite? I I quite enjoy Mindhunter, which is like that kind of, it's like a psychological kind of thriller, crime one. Mm. Um, My favorite all-time show, um, it's the one with Matthew McConaughey and Will Harrison. I can't even remember the name of it now, but it's like a, it's just a one, like it's just got one season. I can't remember.
0: What I think I know what you're talking about. They did do another season and Vince Vaughn was in <laughs> it. Um,
1: yeah. That's probably my oh, you've got
0: me. You've account. got me stumped now, but I know I know the one you're talking about. I just can't um think of it off the top of my head. It'll come to me. I'll end up uh, inboxing you later at like 10 p.m. with with the answer cuz it'll just shoot to my brain. Yeah. Um, what about games to play, mate? Are you, are you a gamer?
1: Nah, I've, I've never been much of a gamer. I've never, like, I, I literally have never picked up an Xbox controller before. Thank God.
0: So I've I've always got to ask this question because everyone plays games at the moment, and and they always given these answers. And I'm sitting here, I'm thinking, I have no idea what these people are talking about. I hope <laughs> the audience that, that are listening are like, oh yeah, I love that game because I'm, I've got nothing. My my Xbox is used for DVDs, so that's yeah. that gives you.
1: Dan's big into it. Sometimes I watch him. Um,
0: yeah, I did mention it to him yesterday, you know, before he started talking that I would have no idea what he's about to say, just so he knew. Um, what about your favorite quotes? Mate, are you a guy that loves his quotes? Have you got any good ones?
1: Uh, not off the top of my head at the moment. I do. Uh, like, I, I'm quite a big reader, so like I, I do enjoy like someone who can like articulate some thoughts and feelings really well, but I can't at the moment. It's all not, good, not, it? not me right now.
0: <laughs> Mate, what about um, you know, when you hang up the goggles and the togs? Um, and I'm not saying there has to be any time soon, that's completely your uh, your deal. But when you do, what what do you want people to remember most about you as a swimmer and as an athlete for New Zealand?
1: Um, I think I just like more than anything, just want to be seen as someone who like added value to the sport you know, like, left the sport in a better place than when I started it. Especially in New Zealand, I think that's pretty important for me. Um, you know, I wanted to have added to the team culture, you know, hopefully inspired some some young kids um, to do swimming in the first place. And for, like, just to see swimming as, like, a good opportunity to, like, to better yourself in life. I think that's, like, a, a huge thing, Like, There's so much, you know, you might not get, like, swimming's not really a sport that you should be trying to get into to, like, make money or, like, wealth or even connections and stuff like that. But the intrinsic value of swimming is is incredible. You know, what it teaches you about resilience, about hard work, you know, about processes, is just, like, next to none. So I think, of anything, you know, I think that's kind of, like, the legacy that I want to leave is, like, you know, how, like, how I went about some things really well and, like, how other people can follow that. I'm not saying I've done everything right, but <laughs> plenty of things wrong. But I think, like, I'm always willing to try and learn from those things that I didn't do right.
0: In terms of when you hang up the togs, mate, when, have you got any clarity around when you might walk away from pool deck?
1: Yeah, well, uh, um, I actually just have decided to retire last week. So um, Tokyo was like always gonna be my last hurrah. Like I was always gonna hang up the togs after that. I've been in, in business now for well I would have been in business for a full eighteen months. Um, Tokyo would have probably been starting soon, right? So Yeah. I think yeah. For me like the decision was actually pretty easy because You know, I've got something that I can pretty much step right into and trying to do, to work full time on your own business and train full time is like pretty much impossible. You know, like you just, you just, there isn't enough time in the day and like no one's got enough energy to work a 50 hour week, working in kitchens, working at markets, um, at events, trying to manage staff and then on top of that training 20 hours a week in the pool and then gym sessions and stretching and all the things you need to be able to focus on to be a good swimmer so at the end of the day I think the the level of uncertainty around the next year um, and like what the Olympics might look like actually made my decision quite easy because I was going to have to choose between my business or my swimming and with the way things are with what could be happening with swimming at the moment? It's, it made the decision pretty easy.
0: Well, mate. Um, firstly, I want to say thank you very much for for coming on the show. Um, I know you're a very very busy man with with your pie business, um, but also I wanted to say thank you very much for for your contribution to, to swimming and swimming in New Zealand. I know we're talking to a lot of the boys, um, you know, how much they look up to you and, and how much you've done for the sport. Um, and obviously I talked to a lot of the Aussie boys as well, and I know how high they uh, they hold you as well um, with Tommy Fraser Holmes and, and Alex Graham and these boys. So congratulations with with the the legacy. And we, we touched on it before, but I think you've definitely left a, a brilliant legacy on on the sport and the swimming in New Zealand. So congratulations that you can hold your head up high mate and be proud of that. And I'm excited for your pie business. I want to, um, I definitely want to try. I'm a guy who loves his pies, as you can tell. So I do love to sit on the Hill and and watch some footy and have a, have a pie. So uh, I'll definitely be keeping in touch um, for that. But mate, um, until then, thank you very much for coming on off the block swimming podcast.
1: Yeah. Thanks a lot, mate. I really appreciate it um yeah i've I've enjoyed our chat i hope the audience enjoys
0: it as well i'm sure they'll love it mate us two shooting the breeze what's not to love exactly (laughs) today's episode of off the block swimming podcast is proudly brought to you by pro swim workouts now tomorrow on the show we have team gb member and england star sprinter anna hopkin joining us all the way from over in the uk so don't miss that great chat with anna coming your way tomorrow Until then, though, guys, make sure you wear your masks where possible. Be nice to people just because. And it's bye for now.